Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on the planet. Thank you for joining me here on the program. Lots to talk about this week. Hail Marys are being thrown up and prayers are getting answered around the NFL. A busy and unpredictable time in the NBA as free agency and trades and the NBA draft is coming upon us this week. Going to be a very tight NBA situation going on so we have our guy from our own insider uh from heavy.com brandon scooby robinson will be joining us later on in the program as well as i'll be giving you my take on what the ncaa is doing moving forward as it whole as it pertains rather to march madness coming up in 2021 all that and more here on tma with nick hamilton now make sure you follow me on all things social media at nick hamilton la you can also keep up with me at nightfallmedia.com and so much more. You can catch me all over the place, streaming platforms, television, radio. Hey, man, I'm trying to be like VC, y'all, everywhere you want to be. All right, so the NFL has been very, very interesting this past week. Uh, when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, and, yes, there are the San Francisco bargain basement 49ers. And to me, the NFC West, which is one of the toughest divisions, I believe, in the NFL because you have three and a half quality teams. And I say half because you don't know which half of that quality you're going to get out of the 49ers. Some some weeks they win, some weeks they look well, and then they still lose. We don't know what, what's happening with the 49ers, but at least the first three teams that I mentioned are all in contention. They're all currently tied at six and three, which is a three-way tie for first place in the NFC West. And as I said on this program last, uh, I think a week or two ago, I do predict that there will be a couple of wild card spots in the NFC. And I believe two or three of them will go to the NFC West because it's just that division is just that competitive as it pertains down the wire. I said the Seattle could possibly still win the division in the beginning of the season. I'm not so sure now. It could be the Los Angeles Rams. It could be the Arizona Cardinals and how well Cliff Kingsbury has really resurrected that team under Kyler Murray's offense. And I say Kyler Murray's offense because he's definitely running the show. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later on in the program. But the Seattle Seahawks faced off against the Los Angeles Rams, who are coming off a bye at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood on Sunday. The Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson did not look like the Seattle Seahawks we were accustomed to seeing. We know they had a fall off, um, you know, against the Buffalo Bills. And you figured, okay. Yeah, they're due for a loss, but you always figured that Pete Carroll's teams, especially with Russell Wilson under center, can always bounce back, especially against a division opponent, because division opponents tend to play uh, teams harder than people outside of the division. But damn it, the Los Angeles Rams came off the bye. They were ready to go. They played. They clicked. The offense clicked. Jared Goff continued to move the chains. And let me tell you something about the Los Angeles Rams that really impressed me. It wasn't so much just the offense, but as Sean McVay said yesterday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday, rather, 
when it comes to what he felt was a success situ a successful situation with the Rams. He said all three phases: offense, defense, special teams. But the one thing that really stood out to him was defense, and I could not agree with with him more because when you look at we talk about Aaron Donald, we talk about Jalen Ramsey, but Darius Williams had two of the biggest plays in that game against the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Two big interceptions, one in the end zone, one uh, I believe was about midfield, I believe, something around along those lines. And uh, to me, it seemed like the Seattle Seahawks were totally discombobulated when they took away one of their primary weapons in DK Metcalf. They had no answer for the Rams. The Rams, Leonard Floyd had a monstrous day with three sacks on the day. You had Aaron Donald out there. You had Jalen Ramsey, who they, they that Russell was scared to throw to most times. And you had Darius Williams, who had who had was not giving up a quarter. And so the Rams don't really concern me. I like the offense. They kind of got stagnant a little bit, um, especially in the second half. But their depth at tight end, their depth at wide receiver is pretty much bars none when it comes to the type of talent that they have and when you look at jared goff and i like i said before i like jared goff as a quarterback i'm not extremely high on jared goff as a quarterback but i think he does get the job done i think he, he continues to improve uh especially with the offseason with his footwork moving in and out of the pocket and you see traces of those those uh regiments in the regular season so listen i'm not concerned about the los angeles rams even if Jared Goff was unable to play in a game, and he let's say he missed two games, I would expect because of that significant and, and lockdown defense that the Rams have, they would at least win one out of those two games until Jared Goff was able to return. I'm just saying in a scenario in that magnitude. Um, I think the Rams could possibly now win the division. I don't know. Um, there's, there's still a lot of games to be played, and hopefully we'll be able to get through this season without COVID interfering. Uh, and the Rams will be able to finish out their season and be able to hopefully come out on top as the NFC West division champions. But at the same time, you can't count out Seattle. You cannot count out the Arizona Cardinals because they do play the Arizona Cardinals twice in December at home and on the road. Uh, they do play the Seattle Seahawks at, in Seattle, which is always a tough place to play where there's where there is a crowd or not a crowd. It's always a tough place to play uh, at CenturyLink Field. But to me, what concerns me more about the Seattle Seahawks is that let me ask you guys a question. Do you honestly think that this team, and I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks, could survive without Russell Wilson? My answer is no. Everything is surrounded, is predicated on Russell Wilson. Because as I said earlier, if you take away DK Metcalf, if you take away Jamal Adams on the defensive side of the ball, what do you really have? You have an older, elder statesman in Greg Olson. What do you really have? And everything is predicated around Russell Wilson. So if you take Russell Wilson out the mix, and he was absolutely terrible on Sunday, those are the results you're going to get. And you just gave Pete Carroll a massive extension. What is that going to produce? The defense has been suspect ever since the Legion of Boom was broken, was broken up. I mean, granted, Russell Wilson has done more with less in his entire career, but he has even less than less now as he as he tries to, to continue to dictate and, and guide the offense. I'm not impressed with Russell Wilson. I wasn't impressed with him 
uh, in the game on Sunday. And I like Russell. I think he's an outstanding quarterback. But I think that defense is is pathetic. I mean, that that cover three defense is being exposed. Teams are exposed, are exposing it. They're hip to it now. So you're going to have to figure out a different way. And I don't know if Seattle has enough what it takes to not only just win the division, but get make a, a, a strong Super Bowl run in the playoffs, you know, to get to the Super Bowl. I don't know if he has that. I really don't. And that's the problem that I'm seeing a lot more now. So we'll find out what happens in the NFC West, but it's definitely going to be tighter than the Beyonce jumpsuit. When I look at the other team in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles Chargers, as they lost another game, 29 to 21 against the Miami Dolphins. Let me tell you all something. If you if you have not bought into the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores, you are smoking something ridiculous. Because I have to give a lot of credit to Brian Flores. He's got that defense run like a smooth engine in a car. Okay? Brian Flores, to me, has that defense ready, locked, and ready to go. I was thoroughly impressed by the defense. I saw the defense when they played the Rams a few weeks ago. And now when I'm looking at the the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm like, dear God. I mean, special teams, the defense. uh, Offensively, you look at a guy and and running back in Salvan Ahmed who had 90 offensive yards. This is the same guy that wasn't even drafted. It wasn't even signed or drafted. Basically coming off the street and doing damage and putting in work. Take a relieving a lot of pressure off of Tua Tagovailoa. And I'm going to say this. I'm not impressed by Tua Tagovailoa. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's – I understand he's still a rookie. I understand he's still learning the ropes. And I get all of that. But I think it's a little bit more hype than reality when it comes to Tua Tagovailoa. I'm not impressed. I haven't seen anything yesterday that impressed me. I thought more – uh, was it more the most impressive thing was the running backs? I thought the most impressive thing about the Dolphins were the defense and the special teams, um, how they pretty much took away the Chargers aerial assault. I think Mike Williams was thrown to twice. He made one catch. And and Mike Williams is a big-time target. The dude, you talk about a 50-50 ball, that dude is an 80-20 ball, 80 in his favor. You talk about Justin Herbert, who had a bad game, probably his first bad game of this stretch of him starting. I mean, he finished with 20 of 32, 187 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and he was sacked twice. Not a great day for for Justin Herbert, but it wasn't wasn't a terrible day either. I mean, we're used to him throwing over 300-plus yards, touchdowns. I mean, he rushed for a touchdown as well. So – the thing that concerns me mostly about the Chargers moving forward is not so much their record, because I think this year is pretty much a wash. I mean, they're two and seven. You're not going to get anywhere at two and seven. You're pretty much out of the playoff hunt, as far as I'm concerned. Not only that, moving forward, I mean, I know you've been decimated with injuries. There's a lot of there's some youth on that team that still has to get accustomed to the NFL style of play. I think Justin Herbert has been has performed really well considering the circumstances. Uh, he has a very strong movement when it comes to the way he likes to move the ball. Guys have rallied around him in the locker room uh, when it comes to him being the leader of that football team. He's tough. He's poised. 
He, he has no problems doing whatever it takes to get the team to a win. Um, so he has a very optimistic outlook. And when, he, when you talk to him, even after a loss, he said, hey, I'm looking forward to a great week of practice. We're going to get we're going to turn things around. We're going to get it together. He's he's never wavered from that. And I do believe uh, what he says as far as him being optimistic is not just some talk. It's not just something to to pacify the media and us that like to ask him questions. I, I really do believe he believes that. And I do believe that his words are, are going to come to fruition at some point. Um, I think he's just that determined of a young man. He loves to break down film. He loves to be in the film room. He loves to be able to to better himself. And that's the kind of young man you want to lead your organization and lead your franchise. But my concern is not Justin Herbert. My concern is not guys like Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry or, you know, uh, Derwin James, who's coming back from injury, uh, who's, who's working out and coming back from injury. I'm not concerned about those guys. My concern is the organization itself, because at some point, more than likely, they got, they're probably going to let go of Anthony Lynn at some point. I don't think they'll do it in the middle of the season. I think they'll wait and probably do it after the season is over with. But if you're going to do something drastic, you got to clean house from top to bottom, especially when you have the face of your franchise and a young stud like Justin Herbert, you have to give him some weapons to work with. You're going to have to give him the tools he needs to be successful. If you want your franchise to be headed in the right direction and trying to uh, make an appearance in a Super Bowl at some point, you're going to have to give him the tools the same way the Rams gave Jared Goff the tools that he needs to be successful and gave him all kinds of weapons. The difference is, Justin Herbert, to me, is a much better quarterback who you can actually center the offense around, but you can make his job a hell of a lot easier if you give him more weapons to work with. I think they have a good running back system with Austin Eckler, who is going to come back off of injury at some point. Uh, I, I like Joshua Kelly. He's young. He's energetic. He has a Magic Johnson type of smile. He's very optimistic. The kid likes to learn. He's a sponge. So I think he's going to be he's going to work well for the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, when it comes to the running back position. When I look at the wide receiver position, I'm not really sold on Mike Williams. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think he's a great route runner. He's never been a great route runner. I think he he, he can jump out of the gym. I think he's very athletic. I think, he, like I said earlier, I think he's a guy that gets you an 80-20 ball. Um, but can he stay healthy? That's been my biggest concern about Mike Williams. Is can he stay healthy for an entire season? Seems like every time you turn around, he's down on the ground or he's not being able to participate because he's injured. I love Keenan Allen. I think Keenan Allen is one of, is a, is a is their is definitely their number one wide receiver, and he's proven it time and time again. He should be in the top ten as far as conversations go of wide receivers. I don't know why he's not. That's just completely and utterly disrespectful. But are you going to give him the right coach, a rock star type of coach that's going to be able to help him and aid aid him? And I'm talking about Justin Herbert to move forward. Are you going to be able to pay nine to ten million dollars a year for a Jim Harbaugh? who has a very successful professional record. When you look at what he's done in San Francisco at that time when he was coaching with Alex Smith and later on Colin Kaepernick, the same Colin Kaepernick that led the 49ers to a Super Bowl and was one quarter away from winning a Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh has a great knack for quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. I know he sucks at Michigan. I know he should be thrown out on his behind in Michigan, but damn it. That's not the NFL. And I'm glad to hear that he's taking NFL offers. 
But if you're going to clear it out, you got to get rid of Tom Telesco as well. You got to clean it out. And there's no disrespect to Tom Telesco. I think Tom has done a pretty good job. He's really done a really good job, to be quite honest with you, as far as his drafting and his trades. But you got to clean house. I think the perfect general manager for this Los Angeles Chargers team moving forward, a guy who still has a pulse into the league, a guy that still talks to players, still talks to other guys, executives and upper management people, would be Lewis Riddick. I think he's knowledgeable. I think he still is, like I said, he's still tapped into the game. He knows what's going on. And this is a guy that can get things done. So I think Lewis Riddick would be the perfect choice when it comes to the future of the Los Angeles Chargers being their new general manager, if they decide to go in that direction. Because I think it's high time. Dean Spanos, I like Dean Spanos as an owner. But it's time for you to put up some cash. It's time for you to put all your chips up. Put the money up if you want it. You got to make me. In order to make money, you got to spend money. And I think it's high time. You're in Los Angeles now. You in the second largest market. You're competing not only with the Los Angeles Rams, who are pretty much got the, you know, trying to get the city on lock when it comes to football, but you're competing with two other franchises who just have just come off a world championship. And that is the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Los Angeles Lakers, who actually who happen to run LA. This is a Dodger and a Laker town. Okay. That's what this is. So you better get on the good foot and get on the ball. And if you want fans to get to be proud and get behind your squad, then I suggest you make some serious drastic moves on and off the field to be competitive, to get your franchise to the next level. And speaking of next level, I have nothing but admiration and respect for this quarterback right here. Shaka, Murray, out of the pocket. Seven seconds, six seconds. Murray heaves it downfield. It is, oh, it's caught. It is caught. DeAndre Hopkins. Miraculous. It's Murray magic. Defenders in the area, and DeAndre Hopkins is the man who comes away with it. Are you kidding me? Did you? I don't know. I'm sure a lot of you saw it. It's probably it's, it's went viral by at this point. But Kyler Murray at the last second, down uh, down a score. Kyler Murray launches it between two de- launches it between two defenders to not to not only. DeAndre Hopkins, who comes up with the ball miraculously, but that's nothing but skill because we all know how skillful D Hop is. That's why we were laughing how the Houston Texans just gave him away for a bunch of Twinkies and a donut. Arizona is coming along really, really swiftly. And you got it. I know there's been a lot of criticism about Cliff Kingsbury. There was a lot of criticism about the Arizona Cardinals drafting Kyler Murray because of his his height, stature, and whatnot. But this kid is the real deal. This kid makes things happen. This kid is only going to get better as they continue to surround him with talent as well. 
but they are on a great they on a great road. You got D Hop, you got the the future Hall of Famer and Larry Fitzgerald. I like the way the defense is coming along. This team is the real deal. This is not a fluke. I think they're only going to get better with 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 time and and making moves and drafts and things of that nature. This kid is special. Kyler Murray, that's right. Body Armor's own Kyler Murray is special. Who would have thought the Arizona Cardinals, who have been a relic the last several years, have turned into a serious, possible serious contender to make the playoffs? And even if they don't make the playoffs this year, for whatever reason, they still had a remarkable season. And I have nothing but admiration and respect for Kyler Murray He as he continues to get better and better each and every week. My God. This kid is something special. I know we talk about Justin Herbert. I know we talk about Joe Burrow. And these are two outstanding rookies as well. And I know we've talked about Kyler Murray as a rookie. But this kid has gotten better in the second, his next season. My God. This kid is the truth. Don't sleep. Please don't sleep on him. Because you're going to miss out on some exciting football down the road. If you think he's exciting now, I look for him even next season. See how much better he'll be even next season. But there's still a lot of games to play in this season. And I know he's going to get better. He's going to have some more phenomenal plays. Whew, Kyler Murray, my goodness gracious. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to get into the NBA free agency, some drafts, and what is to come for certain teams. What's going on with Russell Westbrook? What's up with James Harden? Will he be going to the Nets? Will he stay in H-Town? And also, What's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers? All that and more coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker every. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio Sirius XM. Yeah. All right, y'all, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio Series XM 145. As you all know, there's been a big, this is a big time in the NBA when it comes to free agency, a lot of moving and shaking going on. I could not do this by myself, so I had to bring in our resident expert. This man is great at what he does, very thorough, detailed, uh, definitely checks his sources, has some great sources, and you're always going to get the scoop. Anytime we need some NBA news, he is the one and only from heavy.com, the one and only Brandon Scooby Robinson. What's going on, Brandon, man? How you doing? I'm tired, Nick. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's one way of putting it. I know it's been a lot going on, man, in the last couple of days when it comes to NBA free agency. And uh, you definitely have dropped a, a lot of uh, some jewels and some, and some bombshells, so to speak, when it comes to the moving and shaking of players in the NBA. I want to get started, obviously, first things first. Uh, Chris Paul, there was talk about Chris Paul uh, being traded from the OKC Thunder and the OKC Thunder getting getting from up under his huge contract. Uh, it was uh, made aware that uh, Chris Paul had been traded to the Phoenix Suns, so now he's going to join Devin Booker. He's going to join DeAndre Ayton uh, and be reunited with Monty Williams as his head coach, uh, somebody who he's very familiar with. Uh, you reported early on, I believe about a month or two ago, that there were about five or six teams that were interested, and the Suns happened to be on that list. Uh, what does this mean for the Phoenix Suns? Uh, and what does this mean for Chris Paul 
as it pertains to moving forward this coming season. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Chris Paul and you look at partnering up with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, I mean, I, I think it's an upgrade of what he was doing in Oklahoma. I mean, you, you had young talent with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You, you had, uh, you know, some other pieces there, uh, Lou Dort, uh, as well as Steven Adams. But when you look at Phoenix Suns, it's a whole new ball game. Um, as you mentioned, there were about six to nine teams uh, that were interested in Chris Paul, the Suns being one of them, the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, as well as um, the New York Knicks uh, and, and, and some other teams. It's been a long day. But um, essentially, when you look at Chris Paul and him teaming up with Devin Booker, I mean, you kind of got a preview. The world got a preview of you know, what Devin Booker was capable of in the NBA bubble. I mean, this was a guy that was just unconsciously make, making shots and getting to the basket and, um, you know, proving why he can score at will and what he can do. But you kind of need a veteran that can kind of bring it all together, if you will. I, I use this analogy often um, in, 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 in R&B and soul. Uh, a lot of women say, I want Erica Badu to, to deliver my baby. And when you when you look at Chris Paul, I use this term. Uh, I say that he is the NBA's doula, the person who can come in and get the young folks on board. You saw it in, in, in Oklahoma uh, this season uh, with with what he did. I mean, a surprise team, you know, a team that went to the playoffs, did their thing in the bubble. You're going to see Phoenix upgrade at will. I mean, this is a team that could potentially uh compete in the Western Conference in a very deep Western Conference with, you know, the Lakers, the the Thunder, or excuse me, the Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, the Clippers, and, and, and what have you. But I think this was a great move for Phoenix, and it signals that they're looking to, to retain Devin Booker for the long haul. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a great move by the Phoenix Suns. I think it provides, I think Chris Paul gives you that leadership that they've been looking for. Um, for quite a long time. I think this definitely propels them into a, a playoff contender if all things being equal and they stay healthy. I think what helps Chris Paul, because a lot of people are concerned about his injury history, I think Phoenix has probably one of the best training staffs in the league uh, as it pertains to dealing with injuries. So I think Chris Paul will be fine there. But on the other side with OKC and Sam Preston, we know is the ultimate gambler. Uh, he likes to flip and dip and flip and flip some more. Uh, if he wasn't in basketball, I think he'd be in real estate because the way he likes to flip things, man, is amazing. And he definitely gets a lot of return on the value that he goes for. Um, what is What happens in OKC? I know OKC made some trades. They have Stephen Adams. Uh, I know they have uh, who's always who already has been there. But you have guys like Danny Green, Kelly Oubre. But they also have expiring contracts. Do you see any three of these individuals being flipped uh, at some point during the trade deadline uh, with their expiring contracts? So, yeah, you, you mentioned a trade deadline or, or rather free agency. So the trade moratorium was lifted today. The draft is Wednesday um, and free agency begins on Friday. That's a lot to unpack in a week. Um, that being said, um, yes, uh, Danny Green was uh, part of the trade uh, yesterday between uh, the Lakers and the Thunder, uh, the Dennis Schroeder trade uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers and um, I'm told that, you know, Danny Green will not, you know, play in Oklahoma. And the way it was worded to me, you know, when that move happened, it was going to be part of a bigger trade um, or, you know, adding more teams to it. Um, Dallas is a key player they'll be looking out for around um, 
draft time and or free agency um, in, in different moves in that regard. Um, Sacramento was another team to be paying attention to. The New York Knicks, as well as, you know, teams like the Clippers, as teams like um, the 76ers. Uh, to me, you know, Danny Green has won three championships. Um you don't just put him on a young team like that. You kind of you, you you put him on a contender in that regard. I know a lot has been made about his shooting and his woes in the in the finals, but I mean this is a guy that's a veteran, a guy that's been around for a long time, and and there are teams that will be looking for his services. So, you know when I when I look at um you know when I look at uh, Danny Green and Stephen Adams, they're going to be teams that are going to be looking for his services in that regard. Yeah, I'm glad you had mentioned the Dallas Mavericks because I know you had also mentioned that the Dallas Mavericks were currently out of the, the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. And I know Drew Holiday has been a, a very hot commodity as of late. I think he's an incredible ball handler. I think he's an incredible defender. He could definitely bring the ball up. He's a true point guard in every sense. Where do you see Drew Holiday going? Because I know there were some teams uh, looking at Drew Holiday. Um, where does he go? Does he end up anywhere? What happens with him? I mean, you, you look at – the, the Nets, a team, you know, pre all of the James Harden's uh, hoopla. I know we're going to probably talk about that in a minute, but um, the Nets were a team that were that was did have their sights or has their sights on uh, Drew Holiday. But so do teams like the 76ers. Um, so are teams like, um, I mean, the Indiana Pacers. You know, there's a lot of different. I mean, even the Boston Celtics uh, are a team that. Um, could utilize him. I know that there's been much talk about uh, potential moves as it relates to Victor Oladipo, uh, as it relates to potentially landing in Boston or or landing in you know a myriad of different places. That being said, um, I look at Drew Holiday as as a hot commodity. You talk to you, you walk into an NBA locker room, and a lot of those stars, you know, have respect for him. I, I often use this analogy, you know. I look at the the NBA in the last 20, 25 years, um, and and guys like uh, Terrell Brandon and Andre Miller uh, are, are guys that are very overlooked um, but were efficient uh, players in the NBA. And I put Drew Holiday in that same category um, as a guy that, you know, may not be the the, 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 the sexy name uh, at point guard but does a, a heck of a job um, in, in leadership, playing both guard positions, uh, and playing defense. You know, so um, he's a name that's going to continue to ring uh, bells. The other team – to pay attention to potentially is the Milwaukee Bucks. I know that Eric Bledsoe has been a guy that um, has been mentioned in a multitude of uh, different movements uh, in, in, in free agency and trade talk um, at large. So, yeah, I definitely think that um, there's a big market for Drew Holiday. It's just a matter of fit. Um, the other thing is I know that um, – <laughs> I know that the Pelicans want to move Holiday to the Eastern Conference and don't want to have to compete against him in the Western Conference. Yeah, that makes viable sense. I mean, keeping it in the East, and you just mentioned this a, a few moments ago, James Harden. There's been a lot of talk about James Harden, and I want to get deeper in, in Houston's problems, but we'll start with James Harden. Now he wants out, apparently, according to some reports and things that I know you've been told uh, through your sources that the Nets and James Harden could be a mutual fit. Uh, what are you hearing about, as it pertains to James Harden? Is that a legitimate 
uh, situation. Could that uh, actually happen if if all things go in the right direction? I think it was something that was discussed via Twitter over the weekend, and a lot of people were looking at their phones. I got to give a shout out to Farbot over in Oklahoma. Excuse me, in L.A. Um, yeah, your neck of the woods. Uh, who over at Sports Illustrated? Who, who who discussed it and said he doesn't normally put stuff out like that, but. You know, he heard that it, it was it had legs and it and it was walking, and so people were kind of questioning it, and then you know people started making calls, and um and, and essentially, um certain things do make sense. Um, I think that they're the Nets have have been probably the most quietest of teams in the NBA, leading even when they named their head coach, um, and Steve Dash, and then, um their assistant coaching staff. You know, they added Mike D'Antoni, Amari Stoudemire, Royal Ivy, and some of those other guys there as well. Um, and then, you know, you look at uh, the personnel. You know, as I mentioned before, Drew Holiday is a name that has been discussed um, as a potential Nets uh, target, but Kevin, or excuse me, you have a chance to bring in James Harden to team up with Kevin Durant. The only thing is Houston is going to want some type of uh, palatable star uh, comparable to James Harden. So, you know, you, you ask this question. You know the Nets aren't going to give up Kevin Durant. Do they give up Kyrie Irving? You know, do, does, does, a, does, a, does a deal with... Um, you know, just Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. Um, I think I mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie. That makes sense as well. That's the question, you know, that, and, and, and you're going to have to send multiple draft picks. You might have to get another team involved. So I think it's a conversation that's there. I know that, you know, James has interest in, you know, reunited with, with Kevin Durant. I, I tweeted this earlier this morning. I said I sat down in an interview with James some years ago and during All-Star Weekend and I said, hey man, um, you know, what's it like to, you know, every time you're able to team up with Kevin again um, on the basketball court, he said, man, it's it's amazing times and, you know, it, it, it he smiled, you know, in that regard and I think it's something that would be great, a, a carryover from Oklahoma. They didn't get it done in the finals some years ago and, you know, be able to run it back in, in Brooklyn would be pretty cool, but there's some things that are going to have to happen for that to actually happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you this much. I don't like the trade unless they trade Kyrie. And I said that would be the ultimate gangster move. They actually use Kyrie to get KD there and then flip him to get James Harden. I thought that would be a gangster move. But if they got if they kept all three guys, I don't think it works because I think two guys are ball stoppers. And you got a guy like KD who likes to have the ball in his hand or be able to shoot the basketball when he needs to shoot it. And I think it would be disastrous personally. Um, so if you're the Brooklyn Nets, I'm trying to scratch my head. Like, unless you go, like you said, unless you're going to flip Kyrie, why put all three of these guys together? Um, Yeah, but you know what? I, I hear what you're saying. And, and just from a, a basketball perspective and from a talent perspective, um, I, I think people question whether – Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh could coexist in a Miami situation um, in a big three, and, and they won two championships. And so I think the difference between that and uh, Dream World in Brooklyn is, you know, Kyrie is a point guard by position, uh, and James Harden is a, a swing man, a two-three, but, you know, has point guard uh, 
savvy and right. know, Kevin is is just a scorer. Um, and I think when you look at the that Miami Heat team, well, LeBron was a playmaker, Wade was a scorer, Bosch was a was a was a tweener big man. They found a way to make it work. I think, you know, the other thing is with James Harden and Ke- Kyrie and Kevin is the fact that they've had experience playing on USA basketball together, playing in FIBA, winning a gold medal in 2014. You know, I think, you know, Kevin and, and, and James being teammates in Oklahoma City, um, they they uh, know how each other plays. You know, um, James Harden, I think, um, is a playmaker. That's You've seen him adjust in Houston playing alongside Russell Westbrook. So I feel like great players know how to figure it out and adjust. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a great comparison. I, I didn't think about that as well. But I mean, it'd be interesting to see how everything goes. Now, speaking of Houston, you got you have Russell Westbrook. I mean, a lot of things have pretty much collapsed in Houston ever since the departure of Daryl Morey. Now he's the president of basketball operations in Philly. Uh, but it seems like, you know, Westbrook wants out. Harden now wants out. Uh, you know, there's a, other players are complaining about their contracts. Specifically with Russell Westbrook, where do you see where do you see he goes, and what what is the best team with the, with the best fit? Because I know there was talk about the Clippers, which I think would be absolutely disastrous. If you if you trying to win a championship, he will put you further away from winning a championship than closer to. Um, where do you see Russell Westbrook going if he goes anywhere at all? Well, the issue with Russell is you know Russell did uh, request a trade uh, and. Uh, from what I'm told, his issue was with the owner Tillman Fortetta. Didn't get along, uh, or d- doesn't want to play for him. And um, you know, now with James wanting seemingly out of of Houston, um, you need another face of that team. So there's an there's an opportunity that he could stay um, in Houston. But then there are some other teams out there, like the New York Knicks and the Charlotte Hornets, as well as the Los Angeles Clippers, um, that could potentially uh, come into play there. Um, what I'll tell you is that when you look at um, what uh, Russell Westbrook brings, I think because of his competitive nature and just how he is, I think it gets lost in translation, the good player that he actually is on the floor. But, um, you know, if you go to the Knicks, he's a name. Uh, and I think, honestly, maybe going to a team like a Knicks, could give him the same look that Chris Paul got in Oklahoma this past season. I feel like Chris Paul played himself in the minds and the perception of people into um, not thinking bad, negative things about him. So I think, you know, you, you come into a situation with New York, you're playing under Tibbs. I remember talking to Nate Robinson back in the spring, he said Tibbs gets the best out of you. I think at this point in in, in uh, Russ's career, I don't really think it's about um, style of coach because you know I think people had questions about how he'd coexist with um, with uh, Billy Donovan or with uh, Mike specifically Mike D'Antoni in Houston, and he was able to uh, be just fine. But I think ultimately uh, it comes down to fit and what teams are willing to give up. You look at the Paul, you know, situation potentially where, you know, the Knicks had Kevin Knox uh, and Frank Nielakina and and others that they were willing to ship for uh, Chris Paul. And then you look at the situation with Russell Westbrook, um, how much I think that's young talent that Houston can build around if they ship Russell there. But, you know, I also think 
what will what will the Knicks be left with? Will it just be the Russell show with no one else? Like those are things to consider. The other thing is the Knicks do have tons of cat space. They didn't get Kyrie Irving. They didn't get Kevin Durant um, last offseason, and they have cap space to spend. But who will come? You know, to the Knicks, and you know, I know there's been talks of you know a, a Knicks and and Carmelo Anthony reunion. Like Russell Westbrook is cool. They're both Jordan uh, ambassadors, but you know if the Knicks are looking to be competitive. You got to have some pieces around Russell Westbrook, but. You know, I, I think the Clippers do make sense. They need an aggressive guard. Um, I, I think that uh, they need somebody who's, you know, going to match uh, Ty Lue's bravado, match match uh, Kawhi Leonard's bravado. I think it would be interesting. I know there's talk of, you know, how could uh, Russell and, and Patrick Beverly coexist, you know, in Houston. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors there, but um, – the market is slow uh, for Russell Westbrook, but I think um, it's going to be interesting. I think that there's a chance he could stay in Houston if, if 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 James Harden is shipped out. Really quickly, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Lakers. Obviously, they made a trade for Danny Green. Uh, Dennis Schroeder uh, has been you know sent to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I like Dennis because I think he's good at the three point as a three point shooter. I think he can bring the ball up, take some pressure off LeBron as far as always having to bring the ball up. Where do you see his role fitting with this Lakers squad? And then all, the second part of my question is, what do you think the uh, the deal would be for Anthony Davis coming up? Um, well, as it relates to Dennis Schroeder, I think that's an insurance policy in case uh, uh, Rajon Rondo does walk. Um, and and to be honest with you, I think um, you know there are the Atlanta Hawks are a team that are very interested in uh, Rajon Rondo, um, which I think he would fill a similar role that Chris Paul did in Oklahoma. Um, and I think he'll get more money. Um, but when I look at Dennis Schroeder, one of the things that stands out to me is um, anytime you're a teammate of LeBron James and even Anthony Davis, uh, you have to shoot at a premium um, and catch and shoot situations in Los Angeles. Dennis Schroeder shoots 41% from downtown in comparison to uh, Danny Green's 36.4%, I think it was. Um, so, you know, it's an upgrade, but also I, there's something about Shooter that's Rondo-like. I don't think he's Rondo, it's Rondo-like. Um, big hands, uh, leader, can get to the basket. Um, but um, I, I think that the Lakers um, definitely secured the bag in case uh, they can't get uh, – for John Rondo to come back. Um, and, and your question about Anthony Davis, he's opting out as well as uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, as is uh, Rajon Rondo. Um, I think this is an exercise in futility for a lot of these guys to test the market. Um, but I think ultimately AD does come back. Um, clutch guy, just like LeBron, clutch guy, just like KCP. Um, and I, I think ultimately, man, it comes down to, um, uh, what makes sense? You know, do you take, do, is it like, I look at the situation with Anthony Davis and I say, you can win more championships if you take a little less, but then you can get more talent to come on the team if you want to repeat. So that's what I think right. happens kind of like LeBron James uh, when he took those smaller deals in Cleveland I, and, and ultimately was able to control his, his destination um, where he went to Miami instead of taking those longer deals, he took shorter deals and, was able to, to make those things happen. I see Anthony Davis following that, a similar blueprint. 
Absolutely. It's definitely going to be interesting because it still talks about KCP being flipped for DeMar DeRozan, even though DeMar opted into his deal with the Spurs. So that'll be interesting to see if that even unfolds. But, you know, thank you so much. The hardest working man in the business, Brandon Scooby Robinson for heavy.com. Always giving us the insight and all the, the scoop, as it were. Uh, let everybody know where they can continue to follow you on social media. Um, you can check out my um, you can check out all my writing at heavy.com where I'm a senior writer. You can also check out the Scoop B radio podcast available on all streaming platforms and my heavy live with Scoop B uh, digital show um, has had anybody over. The, we started in August. I've had anybody from uh, gospel recording artist Kirk Franklin to Jamel Hill to Stephon Marbury to. Uh, porn star Lisa Ann and a myriad of other people We've done a lot of episodes. We got a couple of great episodes coming up this week. So please be looking out for that. And, you know, Nick, as always, thank you for the opportunity to be myself. Hey, man, thank you for coming on. And I love the podcast, man. I'm definitely loving the digital platform that you have, man. It's great. Everybody, make sure you check it out. The one and only Scoop B. Robinson, excuse me, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson from Heavy.com giving us insight. Thank you so much, man. And we'll talk to you soon. My man. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get into some more topics and concerns of mine. Actually, my three cents. You know how I get down. I talk about anything from the world of sports, pop culture, and what's going on in our world today. You're listening to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, all right. Welcome back to the program, y'all. TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. I'd like to thank my guest, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson from Heavy.com, NBA Insider, for giving us the breakdown on what's happening around the NBA. Make sure you stay tuned because it's going to be a lot more stuff going on. We'll do our best to keep you informed here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Now, We'll talk a little baseball. And it's interesting because when you talk, I know it's the offseason. We know about the Los Angeles Dodgers, as I mentioned earlier, meaning the World Series champions. Uh, we'll figure out when baseball is going to have their season coming up in 2021. Normally they report to spring training. I think pitchers and catchers report the last part of February. Usually spring training is in March, but due to the pandemic, it's pushed a lot of things back. So don't be surprised if they end up pushing spring training back to maybe April or sometime around that that uh, area. And they're probably going to end up playing less games. I don't see them playing 162 games in 2021. They may play 100 games. They may play 112 or 122 games. But I don't see them playing a full season just because of the length of time. And they're trying to get everything situated and scheduled. So don't be surprised if they do that. But in addition to that, the Los Angeles Angels hired their new general manager last week, which I found, uh, as usual, interesting, to say the least, because once again, this will be, I believe, the fifth general manager under Artie Moreno um, since he's taken over the team. And, it's, and it's, a, it's a trip because when you look at what Artie Moreno has done as an owner, I mean, what has he really done as an owner? What has he really accomplished as an owner? I mean, he's high, he's had five GMs. And like I said, in the last, uh, I would say the last five, yeah, five times, to be the fifth general manager. So they signed uh, Perry Menison 
to a four-year deal. Uh, he is the former assistant GM for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, very knowledgeable when it comes to baseball. He's going to replace uh, Billy Epler, uh, who was the former GM who was recently fired by the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, they have yet to really make the playoffs. They've, they've done a few moves here and there. I think Billy Epler has built up the farm system a little bit. Uh, you have Shohei Otani, who's one of the top-notch two-way players. You got you re-signed Mike Trout to a long deal. You got Anthony Rendon, who's a, who's a great, who's an outstanding hitter, I should say. Um, but I don't think it's the general manager's fault. Yeah, I said that it's not the general manager's fault. I do believe the fault lies on the owner, who is Artie Moreno, who cannot keep his hand out of the cookie jar. Artie Moreno is trying to be the Jerry Jones of baseball. It's not going to work. It's not working for Jerry Jones. As great of a, of a marketer and ambassador he is for the NFL, it's not working for him in Big D. Have you checked the records lately? Have you seen the Cowboys as of late? It ain't worked. They haven't won the championship since Tupac was alive. That's been over 20-something years. So it's not going to work for the Los Angeles Angels, Artie. Step aside. Move out of the way. Hire somebody who is comparable. Don't hire somebody whom you can control. And that's what I feel Artie Moreno has been doing. He's been trying to hire people that he could control, that he could keep under his thumb, that he can say he has the final say so on everything. Yes, we know you're the owner. Yes, we know you write the checks. But that doesn't mean you get a, you have the opportunity or should be able or allowed to put your hand in everything that does not concern you. You're not a general manager. You're not anywhere in upper management. You are an owner. Be the owner. Fall back. Get you someone who you trust, who you know can do the job effectively and let them do their job without interfering. That is the problem. That's why the angels are not going to be successful. And, and you're, on the, you're on the clock there, Artie, because time is ticking. And, Matt, and Mike Trout is not getting any younger. And eventually he's going to get tired of coming up shorter than a midget at a urinal when it comes to not making the playoffs. And then what are you going to do? Because when his people start circulating news that he wants out of Anaheim because he wants to go to a, to, to a contender and he should be on a contender, what are you going to say then? What's going to be the excuse then when you don't make the playoffs or you lose in the first round of the playoffs? What's going to be the excuse? You going to blame the general manager again too? Well, maybe you, if you didn't impede his progress, maybe it would have been a better outcome. But that's the problem with the Angels. It's not what's on the field per se, even though pitching has been their Achilles heel and damn it, they got to get some pitching to save their life. But you got to handle your business off the field with upper management. And you got to get a GM in here. And maybe this guy can do the trick. Maybe he's the he's the maybe he's the best fit. We'll find out. Because he's got about three years left. Because if he doesn't, he won't last all four. And when even we when I spoke to Mike Trout, I think the second to last game of the regular season, his final game of the regular season, he wasn't too happy about, you know, losing Billy Epler. He wasn't too happy about that. And you can't blame him. How many general managers has Mike Trout gone through since he joined it, since he got called up to the Angels? That gets frustrating. 
I'm sure other guys are frustrated too. And eventually Joe Madden's going to get frustrated. Now, I think Joe Madden is an incredible baseball mind. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. But I, the pressure is on. Because with the Dodgers winning the championship, doesn't make things any easier in Anaheim. I can tell you that. You can call yourself the Los Angeles Angels all you want, even though you're in Orange County. But L.A. ain't going to recognize you until you start winning chips. L.A. is a winning town. Southern California is about winners. And that's what they want to see. And if you can't provide that, you'll be an afterthought. You will be an afterthought. Trust and believe. But now we come to my three cents, where I talk about anything in the world of sports, pop culture, politics, socially, whatever the hell is going on, I'm going to talk about it. Now, there's been there's been reports about what's going to happen in 2021 as it pertains to the NCAA men's basketball tournament, better known as March Madness. Now, we know last this past year, March Madness was canceled due to the coronavirus outbreak. And that we were at the beginning of that. And they decided for the first time in, I believe, four decades that it was going to be canceled. So now they're trying to propose plans to resume play for March Madness in 2021. And I think this is one of the smartest things that the NCAA has come up with when they announced it on Monday. They announced that there will be no sites across the country as they normally would for different legs and, and areas for the uh, March Madness tournament. But instead, it's going to be in one area uh, with some facilities around that particular area, much like how the NBA did the bubble down in Orlando, which I think is incredibly smart. If you're trying to if you're truly trying to protect the players and you're truly trying to have a tournament and we all know, ultimately, this is not so much about protecting the players, but more so making sure that they make the revenue that they decide to make. Because last year, I believe they lost or they didn't make about $375 million because they had to cancel the NCAA tournament. The NCAA is not trying to go through that again. So they're absolutely going to make sure that they, this tournament goes off without a hitch and that they finish this tournament and they're able to crown a champion uh, for the final four and for the final uh, the championship round, I believe, that's normally played on a Monday. So hats off to the NCAA for trying to figure this thing out. Hats off to them. I applaud them. Because it's about damn time that they figure out something. Put their hands together and stop looking instead of just solely looking at their checkbooks. I think it's an excellent idea whether it's Indianapolis. They're going to find some, some spots around Indianapolis as well to host uh, various games. I think that's a great idea. They should have thought of that before. And we'll see if this works. I mean, it worked for the NBA. It worked for Major League Baseball. It worked for the WNBA. And at a point, it did work for Major League Soccer. So let's see what happens. We'll find out if it's going to be a success or not. But my hat's off to the NCAA. And normally, I don't say that too much. So y'all better record this because I never say, I never give a whole lot of props to the NCAA because, damn it, they don't deserve it most of the time. All right. I think that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you subscribe 
and download at the iTunes store on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Make sure you give us five stars on on iTunes. Make sure you download and subscribe to us. Appreciate the support. Thank you so much. Again, follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Until next week, please take care. Stay sharp. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.